A brief text message conversation with Bill Belichick. Dear Brian, uh, just heard the great news, man. I'm absolutely amazed. I think you're going to do a really effective job as head coach of the New York Giants. I can't wait to see you on the field. Send. Oh, man, Brian responded real fast, man. He must be very, very eager for this new job. Let me see what he says. Um, Have you heard something I haven't? I interviewed for the Giants on Friday. (laughs) That Brian's such a kidder. Look, man, uh, yeah, congratulations. I've heard great things. Thought they already made an offer to you. If not, good luck on the interview. I'm sure you got this in the bag. Oh, it's a text from the Mars. John Mara, let's see what he's saying. Um, Bill, we just hired Brian. Don't tell Brian Flores, but we actually went with Brian DeBow. Oh, oh. Well, now that's awkward. Dear Black Brian Flores, uh, I think I made a mistake. Please disavow any knowledge of that prior text message. Thanks, Bill. Wow, he texted really, really fast. Uh, Bill, WTF? What do you mean? See, I knew y'all were on that bull. Wow, he's really upset. Uh, What can I do? What can I do? Brian, this is not personal. It's not a race thing at all. They just believe that the other Brian is more qualified. Don't worry, you'll get your shot. Nah, nah, y'all got me effed up. I'm not going to take it. I'll see y'all in court, you cracker? Oh, shoot, it's John again. Bill, didn't we tell you not to tell Black Brian that we hired White Brian? Remember, this was all discussed at the meeting before we burned the actual cross. You should remember. Oh, man, another text. The only Rooney we acknowledge is Andy? What's going on, everybody? It's been a long time, but we are back. As always, it's your boy, Jesse McCoy, and I am joined by the world's leading legal humorist, Sean Carter. How you been, man? I'm doing great, brother. Doing well, man. How you been? It's been too long. Yeah, too long, man. Too long. I'm glad to be back with you. Uh, life has been uh, interesting, man, <laughs> these past few months. Well, we got to tell everybody about you all up in the White House, at least virtually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to uh, virtually see the White House and get exposed to some briefing reports that I probably shouldn't have seen. So, (laughs) (laughs) yes, uh, I I had the pleasure of being asked to present on housing and housing assistance programs in response to the uh, attorney general's call to action last August. Uh, And so I talked about what our program at Duke is doing. Uh, It was a very good reception there. I got to hear about programs all over the nation who are doing similar things and all trying their best to fight on behalf of the American people to keep folks housed during COVID. So 
It's a great opportunity. I'm appreciative. Well, good. I tell you, I'm not appreciating the fact that everybody come on this show blow up a me. I've been <laughs> I called you to start the thing, and now everybody done blown up Ellie and all. <laughs> Think about it, Michelle, and I always miss something getting named Rainer Google. Yep. You know, yep. our, our sister from from uh, uh from Florida. She's now mm-hmm. elected representative. Yep. Yes, she um, is. Man, everybody, Doctor Claudia, out there getting married. Getting married. She was with the presidential hopefuls. You know, she. she That's was what I'm saying. Julio Castro. Yeah. So so if yeah. you out there and you, you know, got something to say to people, give us a contact. You blow up. I'll still be here. Uh, yep. But you can do what you do. I'm feeling like Brian, Brian Flores up in here. And <laughs> hey, go ahead. Everyone just passing me over for promotion. But go ahead, Jesse, and tell everybody about Brian Flores. <laughs> Well, uh, we want to first kick things off because we know that everybody has uh, at least heard snippets or seen the memes, the Bill Belichick memes regarding Brian Flores. But if you didn't know what was going on, just to give you a little backstory, uh, Brother Flores has sued the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, and the National Football League in what's designed to be a class action lawsuit, uh, mm-hmm. basing a, a essentially unfair conducting of sham interviews for minority coaching candidates and how he found out about this, or at least how he confirmed his suspicion that we all have about this was that he received a very interesting text from uh, New England Patriots coach, Bill Belichick. The text was congratulating him on a head coaching gig for the New York giants that he had not yet interviewed for. <laughs> and he responded back and said, well, I don't interview until later in the week. Are you sure? And then I guess Bill Belichick found out that it was a different Brian. It was white Brian that got the job, not black Brian that got the job. Uh, And it just made things very awkward, but was the smoking gun that Brian Flores needed to go on ahead and get the lawyers and file the first day of Black History Month. Absolutely. (laughs) And just so you understand, the reason that it matters is that NFL instituted about 20 years ago something called the Rooney Rule. Mm -hmm. And up until this point, when a new head coaching position came available, they just called their boy in, said, hey, you're white, I'm white, let's do this. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm, it was a little more complicated than that, but not much. And then the Rooney Rule came in and said, okay, look, you can still do that, but at least you got to bring a brother in here. Let him see the place. Then right. you can go ahead and hire whoever you want to. And so for the last 20 years, we went on the Rooney Rule. Now, when it first got enacted, it, got, it, it gave a big push for brothers to be coaches because the thought was is that if you just see us and, and start to you know, recognize that we could be coached and just put us in the lineup, then eventually that'll rub off. And it did. At one point, I think we had like up to eight black head coaches. But in recent years, uh, that's, that, that's changed. And uh, until about yesterday, we had one black head coach. And just you know, 32 teams, that one black head coach is the best coach maybe in the history of the world. Absolutely. All right. One of them. He's 20 years, never had a losing season. He also, we're talking Mike Conlon from the Pittsburgh Steelers, right. we're also not a guy who works for an organization that in its you know, what, 60, 70-year history in the NFL has only had three coaches. So this is an organization that don't fire your coach even if he sucks. Right, they're going to keep a coach, right, until a coach wants Brand to leave. Loyalty. Brand loyalty. So the fact that you have that one brother there who was there before isn't really saying a lot. Every other brother who's came in since then has has, has been ushered out Absolutely. or retired. 
Absolutely. And, and just to further emphasize this fact, currently, even though the NFL is made up of 75% black players, I repeat, 75% black <laughs> players, there are only four, not four black coaches, four minority coaches. Thank you. Minority. We're talking Ron Rivera. We're talking Robert Sella. We're talking uh, Mike Tomlin. Like we're and and it was Brian Flores, I guess now Lovey Smith, uh, Houston, Texas, said we're gonna clean this up real quick today uh, by hiring Lovey Smith, uh, who you may remember as the coach of the Chicago Bears or as a a, a coordinator for Tampa Bay prior to. Uh, but now Lovey Smith is gonna be head coach of the Texans. Uh, yeah, and by the way, let's be clear, Brian Flores. He, he I hope he sent Brian Flores a, a thank you basket or something. Yes. Yeah. Because last week the, the Texans were thinking about hiring a former quarterback, quarterback who currently now is a high school, not even head coach, a high school quarterback coach, mm. which is basically usually like the father of the quarterback. Right? It's not somebody who has some huge pedigree. And they were right, thinking right. about coming in for an interview for a head coaching NFL job, one of the most prestigious 32 jobs in all of sports, right? Mm-hmm. And it reminded me so much of the of all the areas in just in corporate law where, you know, basically if you've heard it, right, that, you know, white high school grad can do as well as a black guy with a Ph.D. Right. And Absolutely. that would have been that would have been the equivalent to that. Now, fortunately, he he not he going to have to go to school. He's going to have to get him a degree. Right. They're not going to let him do that because <laughs> of the lawsuit. they put a little pressure on it. So they went and hired uh, Lovey Smith. Um, and by the way, Lovey Smith has a distinction that he was in a Super Bowl. G. They had two black coaches in the Super Bowl one year, right? Indianapolis mm-hmm. versus Chicago, and one team had to win, right? So Indianapolis won. But, you know, he's a distinguished guy. He's been there. He's had some success in the NFL. So, you know, it's definitely a quote unquote, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a diversity hire, right? It's a legitimate pick. <laughs> but it wouldn't have happened had this lawsuit not been filed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the other interesting thing to note about this lawsuit is that there's also an allegation that black coaches are being paid money by the owners to lose or tank games. And unfortunately, it seems like, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, that Brian Flores wasn't with that. Brian, Brian <laughs> Flores said, nope, my integrity matters. I'm going to win. My players want to win. We're going to win. And he did something in Miami that no coach since Marino has done. He has put together two winning seasons back-to-back. And people forget, this year Miami was only one game away from the playoffs because they had an amazing run of, I think, like a six-game winning streak after they had started the season 0-6 or 0-7. I think they started out 0-7 and and won nine of the last ten. Exactly. Which is unheard of. Unheard Unheard of. of. Miami. Right, absolutely incredible uh, run, and I think he got fired because he won too many games. Let's be honest. <laughs> and by the way, the, the owner wanted him to tank the games, not just you know for masochistic reasons, but because they wanted to game the system and get a better quarterback in the draft. So they figured they come in, you've come in last place, you get the first pick. So they're trying to come as close to last place. And I'm sure the owner, the owner's like, "Hey, we're zero and seven. We can get last, right?" We <laughs> we get the best player out of college, and and Brian Flores had this crazy idea that no, you should actually try to win games because see, players are playing for their future. They're trying to get contracts and awards, and you know all the incentives that come with a contract. And by the way, also people are not trying to get hurt. Exactly, business. Exactly, you tell your office line not to block for somebody. Uh, some people will get hurt. 
bad. <laughs> <laughs> bad. That, that's really right. And as a result, you know, so the brother was, you know, being stand up. And you're right. There's another brother. What's his name? Hugh Jackson? Yes. Hugh Jackson, former coach of, I believe that was the uh, Bengals, before they were the Bengals with Joe Cool going to the Super Bowl now. Okay. The Bengals that were just cold in Ohio. Oh, was that was the truth. Was it, I think it was the Bengals. Yeah, I think right. And but anyway, he's claiming the same thing that his owner came to him and was like, "Hey, we suck, but we need to suck more, right?" I mean, and there's no need. And you know, don't get me wrong. This is not, by the way, you know, something that we haven't seen in other sports. There's always that 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 question or, or concern that this is exactly what um, teams are doing in basketball. When you get to the end, you want to make sure you have the worst record. A lot of sports have been smart about this. So basketball, for instance, even if you have the worst record, you're not guaranteed to get the first pick. Yeah, and I, as a Charlotte Hornets fan, I never liked that rule. <laughs> <laughs> it took us a while, but we got Lamelo now. So I'm yeah, yeah, all right, right. But, but <laughs> try to prevent people from just losing all the games at the end, so they can get the best pick out of the draft, right? right. right. And you can imagine for LeBron, right? For you know, one of these transitional, transformational players, you would be willing to lose your last twenty games, right? To get LeBron, who would? Absolutely. And so you know, the NFL could fix that. The other part uh, of the concern here is this Rooney rule we talked about, where there's been a, a for years people have suspected. And I love this lawsuit because the Bill Belichick part shows it, where these are all things that people have suspected for a long time. It's like black people in redlining, right? We suspected that they weren't living in the hood, but then we didn't see the chart that had the red line around it until right. we saw the charts, right? Right. We finally got the red lines here. We got the email. Right, that shows that even though you have this rule that says you have to interview a person of color, they haven't been, um, you know, they've been following the letter of the rule, but not the spirit of it. So they're hiring people and then just bringing in brothers to meet the quota, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sham, or, or, or what they would call sham interviews in the Flores lawsuit. Well, think about it. Flores was brought in New York for a job that not only had they decided, the Giants had decided on, but they, they were so sure about it, they were telling other people. Bill mm. Belichick doesn't work for the Giants, right? He works right. for the New England Patriots. That's not even right. the same conference, right? You know how far it has to get to get to another conference before they, that, that, that rumor gets out? You know how many people you had to have told? You don't have to call the other person, the other team's head coach, and tell them. That got way down the grapevine. So everybody knew, apparently, but, but, but Brian Flores. And what's interesting to me is – I think it just goes to immediate credibility and integrity calls because when they announced that there was a coach with the first name Brian that was going to be the head coach of the Giants in their little circle, their old boys club, right? Bill Belichick just automatically assumed Brian Flores, right? <laughs> he just he just assumed because obviously Brian Flores is a proven winner. Absolutely. He knows what to do and he has the qualifications to get it. He was probably just as shocked as we were to find out it was Brian Daybowl, like, who is that? <laughs> well, no, in fairness, both of them had coached for, for Belichick, which is why he had both of their, you know, numbers right. on the phone. Right. I'm not exactly. It's interesting. It does seem like he thought that the brother had a job because it makes sense. He's coach, right? He's a former coach, right? right? He, he, you know, a former head coach, right? Who had a great year this year, right? And, and should have, you know, kept his job. So, yeah, it made, it, it made sense. It, it is bizarre, though, that it's not like Bill Belichick, and we shouldn't have expected it is his great freedom fighter when he was out there blowing the whistle. <laughs> he's not a whistle. He wasn't trying to blow the whistle. He's just an old man who got the names confused on the phone. Right. 
right? Just like, you know, he, he just like that guy who, who texts his wife with a, with a text that says, uh, baby, she just left. Come on over. Because <laughs> he can, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, right? You know, that type <laughs> of thing, <problem>, right? <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, it's not like, you know, that he was out there, you know, we can't, put away, we can't invite him to the cookout on this one. All right. But, you know, maybe somebody sent him home a plate, but he can't come. He didn't, you know, he wasn't out there trying to do it. He's definitely going to get his text message privileges revoked from the NFL. (laughs) Nobody's going to share any information with him anymore. And it's, you know, this is the thing that, you know, I think a lot of people resonate why it's a big deal because it's just a sports thing. And I think you made a great point. We're talking in pre-production about how, you know, this one, this isn't one of the ones that Dr. King probably would have marched for specifically. Right. Right. Absolutely. So I think it's always difficult. First of all, regular black people who work in the real world and don't get millions of dollars understand perfectly, just like the guy who works at McDonald's and understand <laughs> that he can't get all the shifts that he's asking for. Thank you. <laughs> That's a, we know this happens. So it's not like it's a phenomenon. It's just a matter of we don't necessarily have the resources to fight a, a full-scale case against the whole organization. Thank and you. I'm always concerned when it comes to uh, professional athletes and professional coaching staff and all that. These people make millions of dollars, millions. And it's like a dream job. So right. you always kind of feel like, yeah, are we are we dying on the hill of millionaires having their dream jobs so they could be bigger millionaires for the team that they want to be with? And if so, how much of that is coming back to our communities? How much are they doing to help regular black people who can't navigate these spaces uh, since they actually have financial resources to do something about it? But it's it's more that like kind of I mean, I think it's in line with with the NFL. It's uh, reactionary and performative progress. Right. <laughs> it's like we can put in racism on a field and stencil, but yeah. we're not going to end the racism that actually supports our institution <laughs> so, so we want we want you to think that we support the troops and we salute and fly the, the, the planes over but we're collecting money for that right <laughs> so. and i think part of you know the problem that the nfl has here they've got a few you know they got a diversity office right they've got a diversity committee and all that stuff by the way the giants owner is on the nfl owners diversity committee the giants for 100 years of football have never hired a brother but they own the diversity committee talking about, you know, ways we can make it better. And it never occurred to them they could hire and make it better themselves. All right. Mm. But the NFL is in an interesting position here because they're the brand and the name here, but they, they're weird because they're not like, how do I say this? They're not the, you know, David, uh, but Paul Tagliabue is not the boss of them. Oh, yeah. Roger the they hire him. It's like being the trade association. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that you could push the owners and make them do stuff, you really can't any more than the uh, American Association of Beverage, you know, manufacturers can tell the CEO of Coke what to do. No, no, no. That guy works for Coke. Right. And Coke decides what, what the organization, right? With other, with other beverage makers are going to do. And so the NFL is in a weird position here where they could say, we got a Rooney rule, but they can't enforce it. They can't really make them do it. They even have tried to create an incentive that says, okay, when we talked about this before, where now they kind of said, okay, we want to make sure that you have an incentive to hire brothers. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give two third-round draft picks to a team that loses its black offensive defensive coordinator to another team that hires them as a head coach. 
But it's such a backwards incentive. It's basically saying we're not going to reward the team that hired you to make you a head coach. We're going to reward the team that promoted you to the line where you could get to be head coach. And so I get the idea. We want to increase the pipeline. So we're going to reward you for getting people coordinator positions so that they can get in right the pipeline here. But they probably they should have rewarded both of them. Right. So that both the people who hire the black head coach have an incentive to do so and the people who groom, you know, black coaches to be head coaches get incentive because there's a perverse incentive now where if you're looking to hire a new, new head coach, if you hire a black you know, assistant at another team, you're going to be giving your opponent three, two new draft picks. Mm-hmm. Third round, too. That's still good. Third round, those are good picks. Mm-hmm. In, in, in the same conference, you're not going to want to do that. Right? And here's the thing is you could hire a white guy from the same team and not give your opponent the draft picks. Hmm. So they end up messing up the incentive, in my opinion. They should have made the incentive to both parties get draft draft picks, right? The people who lost their black uh, coach because they promoted them and, and you know groomed them for the position to get to head coach, and the people who actually pulled the trigger and made them a, a head coach. Hmm. But at least the NFL, you know, is, I think as an organization is trying to do better. It's hmm. just that they are not the boss, and these owners, they're billionaires. Absolutely, and it's hard to tell a bill. It's hard to tell an eight-year-old kid what to do. All right, nevertheless, somebody with a billion dollars. Hell, if you, you give me thirty-eight grand tomorrow, you won't be able to tell me nothing. <laughs> All right, I pay off a car, whatever. I be you won't be able to tell me nothing. All right, I pay off that car in the driveway. <laughs> so you know, if you got a billion dollars, you're gonna be hard hit, right? It's gonna be yeah. very important to tell you you don't know what you're doing when you've been doing stuff that's been working pretty well for you. But the other thing I don't like about this this NFL resolution is any time that you are awarding a white operated institution for the loss of black talent. That sounds like reverse reparations to me. Just like with the yeah, right. Civil War, it's like we're gonna pay the slave owners, but not pay the slave. It's, it's that kind of thing all over again. It kind of feels like. And but I think right, right. you know, like you're compensating them for losing the black. But I think right, right. <laughs> you know, you're compensating them not for that, but for getting that person so well in position that they move up. Because <laughs> if, they, if they quit, right, go back to school, go to go go work at the post office, wherever you don't get a draft pick for that, right? So you only get it if they become head coach. So I'll give them that. Now, here's one thing I've heard bandied about a lot. What we need is because these owners are are just you know out there wilding and. The billionaires can't tell them nothing. Is we need some black owners, right? Absolutely. And I, I thought of that. So this what I did is I went and looked it up, and checked out basketball's premier black owner, your boy Michael Jordan. MJ. Uh huh. He bought the team in 2010. They mm-hmm. had a black coach in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have a black coach anymore. Nope. N- none of the last four coaches they hired were black. And look at the guy now is he's 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 not a white guy. He's, I forgot what he is, but he, but he's not black. Yeah, you know, James Borrego. Yeah. yeah, right. But he's not black. And I realize that even when you get a black owner, right, you might not get a black head coach. Hmm. You know, and, and and we see that a lot where it's it's difficult. Same thing with like a lot of these teams now. They're more black general managers in the NFL than black coaches. And so these people will hire the coaches. You get a brother in there. Think about it. We've seen this happen in corporate America all the time. 
You can, remember almost every HR, you know, company position in the top HR position in many, many companies is a black person. Mm-hmm. They don't hire all black people. Mm. You know, and so a lot of times there becomes a reticence, even when black people are in a position of authority, where, you know, we don't want to look like we're playing favorites here. Hey, you're supposed to play favorites. This is, that's not, this is how we get even. This is how we Thank get you, even. Right? That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do, but you know, we need to tell it to Michael then. All right? Michael's <laughs> last four coaches have not been black. That's and basketball has done a much better job of it. And by the way, just so we're clear, everyone understands, the reason that it seems so offensive, that most businesses are not run by black people, all right? Must be clear. Exactly. All right? But what's offensive about what, you know the NBA would be if they didn't have, I think they have, what, eight or nine or ten black coaches now um, out, of, uh, out of 30, maybe 12. I think it's like a 40%. It, it's still not enough for a league that's almost all black, but it's better. And football has, you know, two percent, you know, what six percent out of <laughs> a league in which seventy-five percent of the players are black, and right. unlike say Amazon, where you you might have seventy-five percent of the factory workers in Amazon being black, but those people don't rise up to be CEO, right? Only the kids from business school. But in but in professional sports, coaches are most often past players. Absolutely. So it, it should be the case that 75% of the players are black. More than 6% of the coaches should be black. Mm-hmm. And it goes all down the line. One of the great things that the lawsuit did was it put down all the things explained how there was only one black head coach, four black offensive coordinators, right? Um, you know, three black special teams coaches or a six, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, three um, black um, quarterback coaches. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, though, six black general managers, but still only one black coach before this week. Because the other five brothers were like, hey, that's not my job. Right. <laughs> and you right, can right. part of the concern. It's like, look, if I bring in a white boy, they won't be so necessarily freaked out that it doesn't work out. Right. Right. They understand that they've hired white boys, it didn't work out. But if I bring in a brother who they weren't going to hire anyway and it doesn't work out, now we're both in trouble. And he won't even take the money to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Which I got to tell you, I got nothing but amazing respect for that brother. Um, but I'm taking the money to lose. <laughs> Somebody throw me $100 to mess up this podcast. The recording to be all. <laughs> like oh, man. Well, you know, we I think we missed another opportunity um, because we have. Once again, the opportunity for these 75% black players to flex their muscle mm. on an industry that continues to disrespect them and their people. Oh. Uh, and, and yet the people who sell the tickets, who got everybody hyped, we got Dre, Snoop, Eminem, Mary J. Black, everybody coming this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the people who, who make that possible um, have yet again decided that they're going to choose their player salary paycheck which is handsome it's a handsome check they're, they're gonna prove they're gonna take their checks and the subjugation that comes with it yeah oh man don't even get me started i did my research on this one right you know y'all doing your research on COVID. i'm doing research on this and i looked it up and found out okay how much money would they be losing my theory was they should have said hey you know what we're not gonna have a super bowl jerry jones want to get his old butt out there and play he can play <laughs> but we ain't playing until we get a black quarterback right i mean black coach Right, of all the teams, all, all, all 34 of them. I know we're only 32, but we're going to add a Compton and, and a Bed-Stuy franchise. 
<laughs> and brothers could get it done. And here's what we would have cost them this week. Because here's the thing about it is, as you know, they get paid a salary, right, by, by contract, right? Let's say you got a $4 million contract. You get, as a result, with 17 games, let's do 16 because it's easier to do. You get $250,000 a game, all right? Yeah. However, the Super Bowl doesn't count in that. The playoffs don't count in that, right? Mm-hmm. You're playing those games essentially for free, except for what they do for the Super Bowl is they give the each player on the winning team one hundred fifty grand, mm-hmm. each player on the losing team seventy five grand to play the game. Okay. But that money, which is a lot of money for the rest of us, is no money for them. Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. signed a half a billion dollar contract. Yes, he did. You think he's sitting there going, I win my hundred fifty? That is literally nothing to him, right? And so the money that some of these guys would have been asked to to give up for this one game would have been nothing. In contrast, the NFL makes billions on this game alone. They Mm. had all the leverage, right? We're talking about just a few million dollars for the players and salaries that they would have been putting on the line versus billions for the owners. They could have got anything they wanted. And they're just too afraid to ask. But here's the thing is, though, let it be their money on the line. Yep. Right? Let, 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 let it be contract time. You know, they'll sit out. I've seen Emmitt Smith on Cabo, on, on the Sands of Cabo many times until they get <laughs> his money. Right. Well, not, not him, uh, Zeke right? Until they ran him his money, he was, out, he, was, he was in Cabo. He wasn't thinking about going to, 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 the, to play. And, you know, some of these guys the same way. You know, I don't want to play for this team. I ain't going to sit. I'll sit out. Right? Yep. But somehow, when it's important, and here's why it bothers me about this is the jobs that they were would be fighting for are their future jobs. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting the NFL coaching job. I know that. I don't have anybody anybody in my mind would hire me as an NFL coach. But but these brothers who, who won't sit on this one, they actually that's the job that they could be getting in the future. If they would hold the line now, and they're the only people who have any power against the owners, even the NFL commissioner doesn't have any power against the owners. Right. So you're right. You know, we were talking about this little cap, and you were disappointed and kind of like, you know, I thought these brothers were, you know, were big and strong and, and whatever. And there's such a big difference between uh, being swole and strong. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or as we would say in the hood, the NBA would never. <laughs> oh, the NBA got low on black coaches. That's the crazy part is, I believe it was something like they got down to like four or something. In the offseason, they hired like eight head coaches this this year because they realized, hey, this looks bad. Yeah, like yeah. Out here, all they need is that sound bite with LeBron. It's, it's, it's over. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, now as far as the lawsuit itself. You know, we, because we're the brothers-in-law, we'll talk about sort of, you know, a couple things about the lawsuit. I think we're probably both in agreement here. This probably doesn't make it into a court of law. Right. The thing is, Brian Flores, I, I, maybe I didn't read it carefully. I didn't see a specific amount of money he seems to be asking for. He's asking for these systemic changes that mm-hmm. it can even be hard for a court to write up. Like one of the things he's asking for, you see this, I'm reading from it. Among other relief sought, Mr. Flores seeks the following injunctive relief. One, increase the influence of black individuals in hiring and termination decisions. Right? Two, 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 uh, ensure diversity of decision making by permitting select black players and coaches to participate in the interviewing process for general manager, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you see, he's asking for the right stuff, right? So systemic changes. 
but you can't write that up in an order, in a, in a court order, mm. at least having the enforcement for it. Right. So what you know, some people have projected or suspected what happen is is they'll come to him and say, "Look, we we're gonna blackball you. We can't have you and around here, but we gotta pay you money to blackball you. We understand that, right? So we'll pay you a million dollars. Don't ever tell anybody." And, you know, and we'll agree to make seven of these changes, but that'll never be enforced. Right. And pretty much, you know, really all he could probably hope for. It's very difficult to sue everybody for, you know, specific acts of discrimination, even if they unless you get all the plaintiffs to come in, every coach who's ever been, you know, uh, mistreated this way. It becomes sort of a very individual thing of you got to have. He has receipts, but I'm not sure everybody has this good of receipts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now that yeah. said, though, maybe it'll at least prevent. And I think this is, you know, because it was getting crazy. I was talking about the quarterback coach who was about to be hired by the Houston Texans. You know, the New York Giants coach they replaced, you know, was a guy who had leapfrogged everybody in line two years ago. He was a special mm-hmm. teams coach. Yep. You know, that guy is basically two steps above Waterboy. <laughs> And it made him the coach. You know, they had college coaches that had losing records. My, my my Arizona Cardinals had one. Losing record in college, get get a pro job, right? Yep. And I think some of those more ridiculous ones probably are not going to get hired, in, you know, at least while we're all paying attention. So they'll be still hiring white coaches, but they'll have to be, you know, they'll have to be, quote, unquote, qualified. And see, what, what the counter argument for some of this lawsuit is going to be is we see every day on ESPN – that these teams right now, the ones that are not in the Super Bowl, right. they are still making personnel decisions leading up to, you know, leading into the offseason. So they're trying to figure out what our coaching staff is going to look like. They're trying to figure out what our draft projections or our draft stock is going to look like. Who's re-signing? Who's um, leaving? Who wants to go? Who's retiring? Right. So a lot of them are going to say, Mr. Flores, you are being too premature. You were on our list to interview. We were right. going to get around to you. Um, and and I think, what, I mean, it's an insult to the intelligence because we all know that's not necessarily the way it's going to go. But at the same time, I think that's their, their out. They're saying that moves are being made. Even today, moves are still being made with different teams. You have to wait and see and let it percolate. And I think that goes back to why the Bill Belichick text message is so critically important in this case. How does Bill Belichick know what's going on before people have even interviewed for certain positions and the team has made any kind of public statement for a team that he's not associated with? Thank you. And, and you're absolutely right. And without that, that's the worst part is. Even though we all know what's going on, without that, he would be, Brian Flores would be screwed. Mm-hmm. Right, but his case is much stronger because I mean he's making the systemic argument. He went down and broke down the whole thing and how this is a big deal all around. And unfortunately, you know, as you know, those arguments of disparate impact are really hard. You know, the court and the Supreme Court is not helping uh, to, 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 right. to to get those through. And so he has a very legitimate case of like, look, you y'all know you full of it, right? I got the receipts. Right. But for the brothers who don't, you know, it's going to be difficult. Um, we'll see what Brian Flores does because, you know, the only thing that, that makes him different than anybody else, because I'd have my money and been done, um, is that, you know, he seems to be, he definitely is a man of principle. And so he, you know, is not going to sell out for just cheap his money um, to make sure that, you know, he'll, he'll make sure they try to do some changes. It's just hard to enforce these changes with 30 different, you know, owners 
32 different owners, none of which are subject to these NFL rules in the sense that, I mean, yeah, it's a rule, but it, it would, you know, <laughs> what's the NFL going to do? Right. They're not the boss of you. They can't take, you know, the other owners, I guess, if the other 31 owners get together, they can take your team. But guess what? They're doing it too. Mm-hmm. Right? And, so like, you know, trying to take, remember when, 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 Mr. when, when uh, Bob Kraft uh, got caught in, in getting, getting the rub and tug? Yep. In the happy ending? Yep. It, it, what happened to him? Nothing. <laughs> he got wow. so The other 31 owners <laughs> were, getting their, were getting their tugs. Like, how the heck, they, what are they going to say? <laughs> and there's almost safety. This worse part, you know, there's safe and shade. There's safety in in numbers if you're shady, right? Right. If you're all doing it, then I guess you know you're gonna be all right. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm not worried about Brian Flores anyway because you know these kind of stances, you know, are the things that are gonna make Spike Lee want to do a six part special. Good point. Who you are and Ava DuVernay's gonna come. I mean, he's gonna be taken care of, just like Kaepernick is taken care of. He's going to be taken care of because he's standing against the power structure. But I do want people to understand if they're listening and they are not NFL players and they are not engaged in the NFL. This is happening at your job, too. right? It's happening happening all over. And the legal standard has never been very friendly to minorities, particularly to black people who are trying to change these standards or at least enforce changes to these standards through the court system. It is very difficult to do. It is very expensive to do. And most of us don't have the resources that Mr. Flores has to try to do anything about it. So we just, you know, call it quits and go to the next place and apply again. Right. Right. Yeah. So I I would love to see. I mean, even though I know the court can't do what he's asking for, per se, I would love to see the court take some kind of action um, that would give us a little bit of a leg to stand on or maybe a precedent that. Uh, some other attorney in the future can use and expand to how we conduct normal employment and stuff outside of the NFL. Right. But I think, you know, you mentioned, though, maybe the things we have to be watch out is, you know, is to make sure we do all the Bill Belichicking we can do on purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, that said, the most important thing I think we all have to do is to try to make sure we don't say nothing about Cardi B. <laughs> Watch your mouths. Watch your mouths. That's what- <laughs> Go ahead and tell the people what happened just in case they, they, they're not on, on crazy news. Yes. So Cardi B has sued um, someone by the name of, well, her stage is Tasha K. She's a podcaster. Um, but Tiffany Keebe, I believe, is her, her real name. Right. Um, she sued her for, let's see here, um, defamation. Mm-hmm. Invasion of privacy, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and apparently Cardi B cleaned up uh, to the tune in total of four million dollars, all based on this libel lawsuit, because uh, Tasha K decided to take to the interwebs and say <laughs> that Cardi B um, uh, had certain diseases and that she took hard drugs and that she was going to have a child with intellectual disabilities and that she was a prostitute for a living at one point in her life. Uh, and all of this apparently is unfounded uh, information that she just put out there and was willing to double down and stand behind it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the thing is she put out 38 videos. 
That, first of all, that's too many videos. I looked at it, you know, we're on our 63rd episode of the show. That, that, that'd be like if we did every other episode about Cardi B and said that she had, and by the way, you know, the things that she said, I think probably the most um, damaging thing is her claim that Cardi B had, not would get, not might get, had herpes. Mm-hmm. He was constantly yelling about her, look at the lips, look at the lips. It's mighty funny that you would wish somebody would catch AIDS when, in fact, your husband may, in fact, give you AIDS. How about that? How about that shit, okay? You got cold sores on your lips. The picture's like, everybody can see that shit. Who's got a gag order now, okay? Who's got a gag order? The bottom line, though, is that when you say that someone has herpes, right, AIDS, whatever it is, um, you know, then you basically have crossed into what, you know, they call in the law defamation per se, mm-hmm. or as brother would say, Percy. <laughs> defamation Percy, defamation Percy is when you say something about someone that is so bad that we don't even have to wait and see what the reaction is. You are automatically in trouble. So to give you an example, if you, if I said Jesse's breath stank, it would hurt his feelings, all right? But it wouldn't be a, a mark on his character. The only way that he could sue me is if, or at least collect damages, is to say that he was a Listerine spokesperson. Right. Absolutely. Therefore, him having minty fresh breath, right, is important to his way of life and me lying on him. And by the way, I've met Jesse. His breath is wonderful, all right? But, but the point is, <laughs> if, if, if basically, you'd have to have a reason or damages that you could prove and say, look, he took away, they took away my Listerine contract. That's $2 million. Mm-hmm. But if you say that someone has herpes, they don't have to prove, oh, well, you know what? I had an anti-herpes ad. All right. They can simply say, basically, everybody looking at me like I'm nasty. Right. And therefore, you owe me money. And the jury decided they owed, uh, that she owed, um, Tasha K owed a million, 1.25 million, um, Cardi mm-hmm. B. Uh, for saying she had the herpes. Then they said, hey, you owe her another million and a half because you did this on purpose. We're giving you punitive damages. Right. And by the way, somebody got to pay her attorneys. And they're very expensive New York City attorneys. Uh, and so uh, that $1.3 million, uh, you got to pay that, Tasha Kay. Mm. So that's where the $4 million comes from. I've seen some, I mean, I've done my research on Tasha Kay today trying to figure out um, if she got $4 million. And it's it's a question. Um, it, if she if she does, let's be clear. That's all she got. <laughs> well, if each one of her followers donates four dollars, then she she'll be able to. Yeah, we should be clear. So she is is not like you or me on the internet. But she's got four a million uh, YouTube subscribers. She right. does a daily dish or not daily, but you know weekly dish thing where she talks about all the celebrity gossip. She's gone in on my man, uh, Derek Jackson, Action Jackson, right? She yep. has gone in on, you know, just about every celebrity who's, you know, had a had any kind of uh, Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon stays on a radar, right? Mm. And and here's the thing is, is that, you know, that's a, a common genre. Joan Rivers made a whole career out of that, right? Can we talk? Right. And most of the time, and we all know, by the way, think about it. Everybody knows somebody at the barbershop or, 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 or the beauty salon. Who is doing Natasha K? Oh, oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure, right? Definitely. Well, we all know someone who gossips. 
And this was an interesting case because it took it out of, you know, in the past, the only people who ever got sued for libel or defamation, you know, on big scale were, you know, news organizations, right. the Inquirer Man. or New York Times or whatever. And this was an independent blogger, right? Just out there trying to get her likes or whatever. And she got hit with this. And what killed me was I thought she was going to get, you know, she was going to lose. But the amount mm. Four million dollars. Um, you know, she made a video and, and tried to. She, and I'll give it to her. She made a video, and from what I've seen of it so far, she did not cry any part of it. <laughs> At least not while the camera was on. At least not while the camera was on. <laughs> you would not. I, I'd been snot all over the camera, right? I would have just <laughs> lost my mind. Like I said, I don't know if she got four million, but I know think about how much money could she have, and and all I know is that every money, every dollar she'll get from now on is going to Cardi B. Mm. I felt bad for her because people were contributing on that video. We we, we showed it, and somebody yep. gave a hundred dollars. I was like, man, you just gave a hundred dollars to Cardi B. Lawsuit will be paid off in no time. That's why, <laughs> you know, on behalf of Jesse and I, we are not saying nothing about Cardi B's um, status with regard to any disease. Cardi B, as far as I'm concerned, has never had a cold. She never had a cold. <laughs> I ain't saying nothing about this woman, all right? Now, we were going through this before, and we should go through it again because we want to be clear to people to understand that what she said about, other than the herpes thing, mm-hmm. what she said about Cardi B are things that a lot of people have said and right. for which there is, you know, a, a a fair suspicion. So they talk about how, for instance, there's an argument that she, you know, she makes a claim that Cardi B w- w- was a prostitute. Right. From Cardi B's own talk about her background as a stripper and how she was always in it for the money, et cetera. I would, I, I, I shouldn't say this. I'm not saying that this happened. Who knows? It probably never happened. But it's conceivable that someone in that position, not Cardi B, but some other woman in that position might have once taken money for sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I, I heard that's happened to one or two strippers in history. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Right? No one in particular that I've never heard of. But, 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 but <laughs> Same thing said, you know, the, the allegation that she used drugs. It's been, it's been, I've been told that from time to time, one or two strippers in the history of ever have used drugs. You mm-hmm. know, the, the, the allegations she was making were not the kind of things, she didn't say this about Reverend T.D. Jakes. Right. Or, you know, the Pope. Right. right. This is someone who, you know, has a past that would lend to some of these allegations. And so I think I can see where she thought, hey, you know, this is somewhat, you know, plausible. But what she did not realize is the rule is you have to actually have a reason to suspect this. Mm-hmm. And a very specific one, not just, well, some strippers done it, so maybe Cardi did. <laughs> right. And even the drugs one, I was like, well, Cardi got in trouble um, a couple years ago when she was talking about um, she had lured some man and given him uh, right. drugs. You know, and everybody was up in arms because it was like, oh, well, you're taking away his ability to consent and blah, blah, blah. And then you right. or whatever. So, I mean, I, I, some of the stuff I can see. But here, herein lies my issue with the case. My issue with the case is you have defamation, which for those who don't know, uh, the defense of defamation is truth. So usually defamation, you talk about a false statement published to a third party that causes reputational injury. Right. right? But you also in that same lawsuit have an invasion of privacy. So 
in North Carolina, we don't have invasion of privacy laws, at least <laughs> not written out yeah. uh, like that. But what we learned in law school was that invasion of privacy most commonly is the public disclosure of private facts. Right. So if you are going to be found liable on both, then it would mean that there is some element of truth wrapped up somewhere in the stuff that you've said, because either you've disclosed something ah, that was private right. and, and now it's an invasion of privacy or you've just made it up, but it's not an invasion of privacy. But, but here's what they got. They got an invasion of privacy, but it was under a provision called a false light. So false basically light. it says that, like you said, like, right, it's not a fact, but you also can't lie. About stuff, people. You can't tell lies to people about about people about purely private stuff. Now, Cardi B. I think one of the also the things is this is to know she would have been in trouble had she said that about my mom, a private person, right? But she figured, hey, there's a and you know there's sort of a distinction, a public person and private person distinction, right? And it basically says that we want people to be able to talk about things that happen with public figures, but we want that to be information that is publicly related. So for instance, if Joe Biden is taking bribes, mm-hmm. right, or this allegation of this, there's a lot more leeway. You don't, you know, we, we won't get you if you're wrong, if you have a reason to believe that, because it's an important issue. But if you're talking about a purely private thing, like whether she has herpes, on a, even on a public figure like Cardi B, it then sort of falls more within the standard definition, definition as if it'd be my mama. So you can by the way tell my mama's business, but you better be sure. You better be right. Right, right. Um, versus, you know, if it's a matter of public concern, as long as you're not trying to be wrong, you'd be okay. Right. And and I have a question, too. And so in the state of Georgia, I don't know if they view intentional infliction of emotional distress the same, but in North Carolina, we have to have a diagnosable emotional disease that, ah. that results. So at least something from a doctor saying, I have diagnosed this person. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know what the standard is exactly. That's you, right? I don't know what the standard is exactly in Georgia. I do know that there was testimony that Cardi B gave that she had seen a doctor. Part of the one point two five million dollars was two hundred fifty thousand dollars in medical uh, fees and expenses. So she definitely saw a doctor and told the doctor, okay. you know, hurt my feelings. The thing that's amazing to me though is, by the way, this isn't one woman who coming out one day had a bad day, said something about Cardi B, and then Cardi B sued her. Right. 38 videos. This is them going back and forth in videos and Cardi saying, you know, this is, you know, I'm tired of people telling these lies about me. Right. And, you know, how dare you say it? You know, Cardi B, of course, said it very colorfully. This woman came back and shows everyone that she can be colorful, too, in her language. They were going back and forth. And so it wasn't like, oh, this woman just slipped one time. Right. Tasha G.K. didn't just slip one time. This is a concerted effort over too long of a period of time. And what got her was at trial, she admitted that, yep, I, Cardi B didn't have, you know, herpes. Obviously, Cardi B had to have show her doctor's records. But, you know, this woman hadn't seen the doctor's records. So, yeah, I didn't think so. But, you know, I was getting a lot of th- those videos were getting a lot of views, mm. getting a lot of people giving money. And by the way, some of you didn't know this. Jesse and I just learned this, but y'all will learn this in a few weeks. Um, on YouTube, you can actually start tipping people in the videos. Oh yes, yes. It's like OnlyFans up in there. You can start, you can start tipping people now, um, and so we will be a uh, uh, shirtless next week uh, on, on YouTube. This is going to be a video podcast from now on. I tell you that. 
Yes, yes. Please uh, tip generously. <laughs> well, I don't know how we're gonna get shape in a week, but we're we gonna work on that part. We're about to on you. But um, but the point is though, is that you know you can understand if she's getting a lot of this play and whatever. You know, there was an incentive for her to keep telling these lies, keep going back to the story. It was working. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to bring this up doesn't seem like it's a matter of any importance at all. But a lot of us are online. I just and I met it. Mm-hmm. A lot of you guys found us, and a lot of us are talking a lot of stuff online. Oh, and I want to remind you uh, that um, you know you can't get punched in the mouth like you could in real life, uh, but you can get punched in the wallet. Yeah, I mean, you never know. You might get punched in the mouth too. You just, <laughs> you just don't know. You gotta be careful nowadays. <laughs> well, 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 true. I I told a story the other day of some some young kid who was out there, um, you know, door dashing. The guy says something to him, and, you know, they text him back and forth in the app, and the, and the guy asked him a question. The young kid says something smart out to him in return. You know, like you think I'm lying to you. And, you know, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Online, you say that kind of snarky stuff all the time. But he wasn't yeah. going, but online, you're not going to that person's house on their home turf. He got in the driveway and uh, found out uh, that guy had more than a text response for him. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. And, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying you should run around beating up young kids or whatever on, on, on the DoorDash, even if they get you the wrong stuff. But I am saying this, that um, you should... You know, when you're talking to people in real life, you can't be running around saying the stuff you say on the internet because uh, people in real life don't play that. Can't do it, it's, especially if you are engaged in the criminal element. There's <laughs> so many people who are on here just telling all the operations and all all the procedures, all the codes, naming names on YouTube. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I mean, whatever flows your conscience, but. I wouldn't do it, yo. Know? <laughs> no, that's what it is. Everybody, and we all, and I'm guilty of it. Anybody else? You want that attention? You want that like? You got to say something spicy. You got to get something out there. And you know, this is a good reminder, I think, for a lot of us. Because here's what is amazing. You know, Justin, I'm trying to figure this out for the longest time. You know, the law is pretty clear here, and I know she didn't know the law, but I'm sure she talked to a lawyer at some point before four million dollars, right? right? And it's like, you know, why would she keep going this route? Why would she get up in court and say, "Yeah, I knew I was lying." And it's like we're all, you know, what Jay Z said. He said, "What he say? He said, uh, <laughs> fame is the worst drug known to man. Yep, worse than heroin. Yep, it doesn't really rhyme. It's a little lazy, Jay. I'm gonna give you. I'm, I'm saying that. <laughs> all right, Jay, a little lazy. He was busy working with Roger Goodell on the Rooney Rule update. There you go, right? <laughs> but he's right though. Right. It's like, you know, that is, you know, an addictive thing. There was a brother a few months ago on TikTok who ended up um, getting arrested or getting rearrested. He was a fugitive from justice. Mm -hmm. Stuff he had done a long time ago. He out there on TikTok with like a million followers. Right. Now, you know, you're going to get caught, right? You know, if you're a fugitive, right? A million people can turn you in. I might turn you in, all right? But definitely (laughs) a million people are going to turn you in, right? He, you know, he out there, you know, but, you know, I couldn't resist the fame. By the way, brother, you know, brother, brother with, with red hair and red beard. Like, we're going to find you. Like, you ain't going to be hard to find, right? <laughs> and and the right. thing is, I wanted to judge the brother, but I totally got it. Because if I could get a million followers, I'd be out there too, right? And it's like, you know, just understand that you might, you know, this fame might cause you to write some checks uh, that your wallet can't cash. Yeah, people, people want that fame. But, you know, I also think, I'm looking at it, I'm trying to find a, a silver lining for 
Tasha K as well, because I know Cardi going to be all right. Uh, <laughs> Tasha, in having this case, has gotten more exposure, because I didn't know who she was until mm-hmm. we talked about the case, right? But I'm certainly going to be tuning in now, because like, I want to see the train wreck as it happens. That's, so I want to see what's going to happen. I want to see how she does this. She's claiming she's going to appeal. I want to know how that's going to go. I want to know where the money for the appeal is coming from. I, I want to see what's going to happen now. So she's going to gain new traction and new viewers and expand her star until she gets to be the, the TMZ of YouTube. The weird part about it to me was, is I thought, you know, that she would have had a lot more support from the YouTube comments community. Right, right. right from her page <laughs> and people come in there like, girl, you know you're wrong. Right. And I was like, damn, that's your fans. Right, right. Like, you know, just drop it. Leave it alone. <laughs> exactly, right. But part of the thing she, you know, I think she's not taking into account here is that yes, you know, there are just a lot of fans, but she don't have as many as Cardi B. Definitely not. And some of her Definitely fans are both. Definitely not, because uh, as as a Cardi B fan, <laughs> maybe I should disclose that since we talk about as a Cardi B fan, I don't appreciate right. what you said. Uh, <laughs> in, in, Cardi, you know, you listening? Well, um, brothers-in-law, that's with a U. Make sure, make sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, yeah, sister, we will. We were more than happy to to um, let you tell your side of the story. Absolutely. Um, you know how you plan on spending that four million? <laughs> <laughs> you make a charitable contribution. You know, that's 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 that really got me though. Is I, I thought she was going to win the case, but I thought the jury would be like, "Well, look, Cardi, you already rich. You get thirteen dollars." Mm-hmm. Right, and they were like, "Nope, you know, we're just making it even. Let's round it up to an even million, mm-hmm. right? And then throwing the, you know the, the punitive damages, and whatever. And it's just like so. Somehow, in 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 the David and Goliath thing, the jury was like Goliath. Yeah, but I mean, I, I also think you know the jury doesn't really like you know unvetted people who just take to the internet." And try to make themselves into celebrities. There's, well, there's a grooming process, right? And Cardi can do things that everybody else can't necessarily do, uh, and people sometimes are upset about that. But at the same time, she's gone through the process that she had to go through through love and hip hop and all that stuff to get to where she is now. So, you know, it's kind of it's kind of hard, you know. But you know what they say: if you if you throw rocks at the throne, you best not miss. You know what I'm that, that that is true. So 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 on that note, um, you know, we're gonna get out of here. I want to, on behalf of both of us, uh, thank our our listeners for for putting up with this long hiatus. But we were getting our yes. stuff together. Jesse's out there conquering the world. All right, you gotta give him time to be in the White House. <laughs> and 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 to, to Cardi B for whatever I've said about you in the past. I'm sorry, girl. I I, I was wrong. I retract all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, Cardi knows our heart. She knows our heart. And you, know I, you know, I love you, girl. You, whatever you say is true. Offset, shout out to you too, the whole family. Uh, you also can be on the show because I know Tasha K is still making videos about you. So, uh, okay. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Nick Cannon, uh, Nick Cannon I, I, yes. I'm sorry for posting uh, the other day that I'm safe from being pregnant by you. Uh, <laughs> I know that. You wouldn't make a man pregnant necessarily, but whatever you did, I'm sure you were right, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Candace Owens, uh, I don't care. Sue. Yeah, no, no. (laughs) Everybody, seriously, thanks so much. I'm glad to be back. We'll see you next time.